Okay, now we're on to the home stretch for this Growing as an SRE series. This is part three, the final part. In parts one and two, I spoke with you about three lesser known truths of career progression. So we talked about a few things like career progression is not a start-stop journey. Certifications alone don't get you the job or the progression you need. And tenure does not necessarily guarantee your progression. I got a lot of pushback from people on these ideas, but unfortunately, whether you would like to agree with me or not, they're the truth and I've seen this over and over again. You might like this part more because it's more practical and it's actually exploring ways to think as an SRE and ways you can plan out your progression. I'm Ash Patel and this is the SRE Path Podcast. So the first thing I want to explore is the mindset difference between a junior and senior SRE. To me, from what I have seen, a junior SRE would think like, I have skills, I can learn and do tasks, but I don't really have a deep understanding of any specific area. I'll perform well as long as I stick to my task list. And I will probably need a little or sometimes a lot of help from the more senior SREs. Now, that's different from how a senior SRE thinks because they don't have the luxury of asking around because they're expected to know a lot more from their experience. So the way a senior SRE would think is, I can do all that a junior SRE can do and much more. That's pretty obvious. You should already know that. But to them, they would think that I shouldn't be doing what they do because there's so much else that needs to be thought about. I often deep dive business and platform critical areas that are essential to how we do things here. It's my job to actually build the tasks for junior SREs to execute upon. That's while I'm actually working and thinking on how to improve the system that we already have. I'll break it down into three areas in how a more senior SRE differs from an early career or junior SRE. Those three areas are scope of work, foresight, and business value. So in terms of scope of work, senior SREs will have a broader scope of work. They won't be working on just a small subset of the entire system. They will have to actually look at larger and larger chunks of the system as they progress in their career. Now, the second idea of foresight, this comes into a lot of management theory and it actually does make sense that when you're working as a junior or when you're working as an individual contributor at a lower level, you're only thinking about how this work will pan out over the span of a few days, maybe a week, maybe a month. But for a more senior SRE, they have to have a longer time span view of the work. So for a principal engineer or principal SRE, they may need to think about how will my work affect the next year or two years or three years. This is based on the theories developed by Elliot Jacques, who was actually a foremost management thinker and actually developed the term midlife crisis. Now the third term, business value. The third area, business value. Senior SREs continuously need to drive business value because they're making decisions that literally affect this. For this reason, these three areas are not straightforward for a junior SRE to jump all the way up as a senior SRE. So it's not a jump step from an entry-level SRE all the way to senior SRE. That's why I say you have to continuously work on your career progression. You've probably seen it. There are multiple grade levels that an SRE needs to achieve as they progress in their career. Of course, these grade levels depend a lot on the type of organization you're in and 
the organization's culture. But whatever you do have in terms of place that you work at, you will have to look at as you progress and increase in your responsibilities, your realm of influence, your leadership traits, and your capabilities. So let's break down each of these very quickly. The first is responsibility. And even as a junior SRA, you have responsibilities. These are the type of work that you're doing and the scope of work you're doing. Now going into the realm of influence. Influence obviously dictates that it's something to do with people. And yes, you're right if you did think that because a realm of influence means how many people you're communicating with and impact. And the third area is leadership traits. Now, probably up the first few grades of your SRE career, you probably don't need to worry about that. But as you start leading people and you keep growing in that leadership ability, when you move from running teams to team of teams to entire units, etc., you will be called upon to develop stronger and stronger leadership traits. The last one is capabilities. So I like to put it in here because capabilities are super important and I think a lot of people overlook them. And this is your value drivers. And that's from combining your abilities, skills, and the resources you have available to you and you can muster up. Now, I mentioned grade levels for different organizations. Dropbox and GitLab have a really detailed career progression framework specifically for site reliability engineering, as well as the other titles that they have in their organization. I think you shouldn't jump into looking at them and then using them as your reference point, because obviously, unless you work at Dropbox and GitLab, they're not really going to have a fully direct influence on your progression. You can use them as a guide to plan your progression as a foundation. By the way, as a quick aside, uh, check out this conversation I had with Rajesh Reddy N. He's a staff engineer, principal architect in DevOps at a company based out of India in, fin in the finance space. He shared a lot of amazing advice in terms of thinking models for SREs who are seeking career progression. That's episode number 13 of the SRE Path podcast. So go back on the archives and look for that. A lot of his thinking revolves around having the right mindset to focus on the value drivers in your work context. So I think that's an important area and it makes you not only appear valuable, but actually valuable to the work. I'm a big fan of progression planning and I used to develop frameworks with my people. They never actually really got to see them. I used to keep them to myself because cognitive load, etc. And it was just one of those things we would go through, but then I'd keep a file on it. I think it's important that engineers actually keep a progression framework of some form, because I think you have the ability to handle that kind of progression work. So the whole idea behind this is that a framework can help you map out your journey to career success. Now you may be saying, hey, look, what do you mean by career success? Success can mean a lot of things to a lot of people, but all it really is is a GPS for your growth. That's it. It's not to say you're going to become a principal SRE because you've mapped it all out. You still have to put in the work. But what it does, it allows you to see where you're at and where you need to be. Now, if you're trying to keep a mental map of this, like literally nothing written down, or nothing on paper or screen, 
it's going to be very difficult for you at times when you're beginning to get more and more work, you're getting more stressed. You have a high risk of losing sight of where you need to be heading because of the day-to-day minutia of being busy gets in the way. I have a SRE capability map that I did make a while back. I don't think it's that relevant to SRE work as I thought it was back in 2021. My thinking is involved a lot on it, but I really kept notes aside for future consulting work because, you know, doing the SRE advocacy does actually kind of cost money. I do travel to a lot of conferences. Well, I used to travel to a lot of conferences and you know, to pay for those conferences and the accommodation, the flights, etc. I thought, hey, maybe I could do consulting work around this. But anyway, it's going to kind of stay like this for now because it's a lot of time and it's a lot of mental bandwidth that it takes up to build a new one. So maybe one day. Now, if you are building your own capability map, if you even look up the idea on Google, it's pretty obvious. If you look at the visual section of Google, it should show you what it will look like. I have a few tips for you though. Don't make it too technical. A lot of people I speak with, especially who people who are very technically attuned, people who are like natural techies, they start writing a lot of terms into their capability map. And I think that kind of can distract you from what you really need to be doing. So keep it simple. Is, that, is the tip that I would give you. I've even seen engineering managers do that. I've seen a lot of spreadsheets from various engineering leaders that is very difficult to cognitively process. Like even for the people who work in this space day to day, if you're super busy, then you're not that interested in actually opening that spreadsheet because you know it's a whole bunch of stuff you need to go through. You need to think of mapping things out in terms of Oh, this is the other thing. You need to think of mapping out your capabilities in terms of the value drivers for the organization you're currently at. And I suppose if, since a lot of engineers move on to other organizations, you want to also have a rough idea of what other places are looking for and let that drive the capabilities, at least in the short term. If there are certain things you think that, okay, the place you're working at does not value and other places that would employ you would not value, but you really want to get good at, feel free to put it in. But just remember, if it, this is about career progression. This is about you actually progressing in your career. So you need to consider the fact that, yes, you need to have some things that your work actually values alongside the things that you actually value for your career. I've done this so many times where I'm like, I really enjoy doing audio production and writing and all that, but as a general manager of a company, I couldn't actually justify spending a lot of time on it. There were things that the company actually valued and they got out of my abilities that had nothing to do with my AV skills. So just keep it in mind, right? It did add some value, but not to the level that obviously me at a personal level, my personal development would allow for, you know? So, As I mentioned before, Dropbox and GitLab have fairly robust career progression frameworks for site reliability engineering. And like I said before, I would not rely on these as your sole source of truth. And if you're outside of these organizations, it's even harder to make sense of it because every workplace emphasizes different abilities at different grade levels. I have a simple process that I guide people through initially, but then we would obviously deep dive into them through a lot of one-on-ones. We don't have that luxury, but 
you can try and employ them because it's pretty simple and I believe that you are an intelligent person. If you write them down, introspect, talk about it with your friends, you might make headway with this. So this eight-step process to plan your career growth is simply one, putting your ear to the ground. That means to actually know what is the value driver for your work in terms of what your organization notices, cares for, rewards. Then two, understand what your teams and organizations priorities are currently as well as moving forward. Three, synthesize your findings into an analysis. So that would be, like I mentioned earlier, a capability map. Four, look at the technical capabilities that you've put down and rank them based on how they're rewarded. Obviously, some abilities are actually rewarded more than others. So I would prioritize. Prioritization is super important if you already have a full plate of a 40-hour or more than 40-hour week. Now, this fifth one here is one where I think a lot of technically-minded people just switch off, but I urge you, do not switch off at this point. You need to look at the non-technical capabilities that are rewarded. And there are, in every organization, some non-technical capabilities that are rewarded. Your technical capabilities are ones that do allow for your technical progression, but having things like interpersonal communication skills, being able to hold a presentation, run a meeting, etc. Some of these things are things that managers look at and say, hey, this really supports the case for us to take on this person's progression. Now, the sixth thing is you need to figure out where you're at right now with all of these areas after you've prioritized them. The seventh thing is work out the gaps between your current state and your ideal or desired future state. And the eighth step is action. Start working on that skill and ability development. Only you can do that because it's your career progression. This is the process I've used over the years. I've developed it in 2009 and evolved it over time. There's a lot more to it. But obviously, that's more with one-on-one work that I was doing that I can't really share over an audio medium or written medium would just take too long. But it gives you a fair idea of how to get started on this yourself. It's a process I've used to turn fairly green individual contributors into, believe it or not, experienced leads. So they actually would lead teams after only a short period of time. So I know it works. There you have it. We made it through all three parts. I think this was my favorite part because it's the more practical side. I don't like to talk too much about the truths because people don't like to believe them, but there's some element of truth in all of them. And if you start looking around a lot more, what people, what organizations say they value versus how they behave and how they reward people are two different things. So I've mentioned... Career progression in site reliability isn't just about how long you've been around or collecting more and more certifications. It's more of a steady journey than a sudden campaign. Now you know what it's going to take for you to progress in your career because now you know how junior SREs think and how senior SREs think. It's very different. Senior SREs think on bigger scopes, more abilities, and more on business value. That's the kind of mindset and skill set you need to nurture to be a solid senior role candidate in the future. And I mentioned that eight-step process. Use it if you can. Use it if you have the wherewithal. Because planning 
is part of the process. Planning is important. It'll make the difference between you knowing where you're going and you just kind of going here, there, everywhere. And as people become more competitive in this job market, I think it might be useful for you. The journey will obviously have its ups and downs, but that's what makes it exciting. All I have to say to that is stay committed to learning and growing in your abilities, and you'll go far in your SRE career. Hey, you listened all the way to the end of the episode. That's great. I hope you learned something amazing. And if you want to share what you learned, feel free to share it on LinkedIn, wherever you hang out, and be sure to follow the podcast for more episodes like this.